get your attention, Sean Pody, earlier referenced by his wife or to his wife, wants to share something with us. If you would give Sean your attention, please. Um, I just want to say, uh, I know we could stand here uh, with testimonies about this tornado all day and miss uh, lunch at Arby's, but uh, we're not going to do that. But um, <clears throat> that being said, I just want to personally say thank you to um, all of you, so many people I, I can't even name, that have uh, given us help, assistance, financial uh, time and uh, encouragement and uh and it's just, it's overwhelming. But, you know, God has a way of overwhelming us with his love. And I want you to know that you guys are, uh, um, you know, a real big front line, hands and feet of what God is doing. But, you know, the enemy wants to use destruction to tear things apart. But God always uses those same events to create something awesome and good. And just an example of that, during um, Awaken Nashville, I had written down some names in my circle and uh, some of my immediate neighbors were uh, some of the names that I'd written down in the circle. And even some of them I had forgotten and couldn't remember the names because we don't see each other very often. But you just I was praying for them. And, you know, uh, when my house got hit and the roof got torn off and all just want you to know all the fences on all sides of our yard are completely gone. So guess what? I have had a lot of uh, conversations with every single person on my list. So um, just be careful how you pray and pray specific, okay? Be very specific when you pray. But you know what? God used that to uh, allow us to be able to come together. And, uh, you know, so many people have been uh, ministering to us and to others. And I'm proud of you guys, not only for ministering to us, but for ministering to all those in the, the, you know, I just see the work of God all over. And, uh, you know, uh, two of my neighbors that uh, I've been talking to, and they've, for years, they've, like, asked me about my church. And, I've you know, I've told them, and I've told them about our Bible study and things. And the other day, she was in her yard cleaning up, and I went over there. And she's like, you know, my husband, he didn't want to have a lot of help because he's a prayer. He's like, I'm an able-bodied guy. I'm going to get my tree cleaned up, whatever. But uh, he's like, I saw all those people at your house. And he goes, that was your church family, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Said, yeah, that was my church. That was my, my family. And she was, you know, it's like that spoke to her that we had so many people come to my just to our aid, and um, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite them to our home group to come over because I've been doing it for a while. So hopefully they can come and just be a, that you know see something they want to really be a part of. But thank you guys. God bless you. Amen. Well, if I would have paid Sean to set me up for this message, he couldn't have done it better than that. Um, I started to, I thought about changing and going in a different direction, and it dawned on me, my goodness. Uh, we've been talking about, for a little while, five keys to being a kingdom community. And uh, as I've stated often, this is not; these are not the only keys. They're just the five we're identifying from Acts chapter 2, and of course today also Acts chapter 4. Um so, today I wanted to talk about the together of community life. And uh, the, the together is kind of a piggyback from last week when we talked about, well, well, let me just back up. When we started this, we started by talking about evangelism. That's primary, first and foremost, that we, the church, would reach the lost. 
And so we talked about rescue the perishing, the very first session of this time. And then we moved on to a disciple and be one, make one. Uh, and that, that sort of encompassed uh, apostles' doctrine, apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And then last Sunday, we moved into the effect of fellowship on followers of Christ, the effect. There's a dynamic effect, not just an effect, but there is a dynamic effect on us as we fellowship in Christ. All of those messages are on the podcast, and if you can't, you don't know where a podcast is, then we can help you with that or get you a CD. Uh, and today I wanted to move to just a half a step further and talk about finding our together in the community of God. Finding our together. Everybody say together. There's a key word there. And then here's the way that works. Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially, say especially, to those who are of the household of faith. The word there is really a word that means particularly. And so what the apostle is saying to us is that we have a mission to, to do good and to take care of everyone, but particularly and first we take care of the household of faith. That doesn't mean we disregard those who are not in the household of faith. It means that we start with those who are in the household, those who are part of our spiritual community, and that's not necessarily limited to this congregation. So anyway, we understand that this together causes us to do good to one another, and especially and particularly and starting with the household of faith. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read two passages of Scripture, both in close proximity. And we've read the first one already in weeks past, but if you would turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to read a few verses there, and then we're going to move over to Acts chapter 4 and read some other verses. Um, let me get my glasses on so I can see what I'm doing. You get a giant print Bible, and you still need reading glasses. <laughs> Good, not a mighty. If you would stand and can stand uh, while I read these verses, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 once again, reading from the English Standard Version. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe or fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, if you just flip over or dial over or scroll over, whatever be the case, to verse chapter 4, verse 32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Would you say that with me? Great grace was upon them all. Hmm. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold 
and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You can be seated. This is an interest, two interesting passages uh, about believers being together. So we're starting there. The believers were together. There was a, there was a custom in the Jewish community that during the feasts, when people would come into Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost or whatever feast that that season called for, there was a known custom that the people out of town would be, would be, uh, they'd stay in the home of residents in Jerusalem and, and you could not charge for that. It was a free hotel, so to speak. And that happened year on year in and year out. So when the church is born in Acts chapter 2, they continue along this same way with this same thought process that we're going to be together as a community. The It says they were together, and it's complicated to try to explain this, but just take word for it that in the original language and in the imperfect tense of the verb, it means that they were actively and continually seeking to be together. Actively and continually seeking to be together. Um, and I want to say that that's both in proximity and in hearts. That's not just uh, solely speaking of geography. Sometimes that's, or many times that's very important. But being together in our, in unity and in our hearts, and we'll come back to that in a moment, is just as important. And so it says because they were together and because they were actively seeking to be together, it says they had all things in common. They had all things in common. And, of course, the first thing we think when we read this passage is, is that the early church practiced socialism or communism. And, and a lot of people have tried to say, well, it's a, it's a really good form of all of that. Let me just tell you. All right, Larry, don't say to something you don't need to get back. This is not, this is not an early form of communism or socialism. And I'm going to tell you why. The main reason that it's not is because it's not under compulsion. True communism says, you give me your $5 and I'm going to give it to somebody else and you don't have any choice in the matter. That's not what happened here. We'll see in a moment very clearly that's not what happened. Also, it says they they had personal possessions in in a true socialism or socialistic culture or communistic communism culture. You do not have personal possessions. But note notice that it says they in verse forty six it says in their homes in their homes. I submit to you that. The ownership of personal property is extremely biblical. Um, by the way, if we were intended to have no personal possessions, there would be no need for a commandment that says, Thou shalt not steal. You can't steal something that doesn't belong to anybody. And so I'm just laying the, I'm, just, I'm not trying to tell you who to vote for or who to not vote for. I think you've got good enough sense for that. If you don't, just talk to me. 
And I'll give you a roll of toilet paper if you'll vote who I tell you to. And also I want to point out in, in, in chapter 5, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, let, let me just read that to you. It's just a couple of words. It says, a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. This is, by the way, there's no, there's no chapter division here. This is immediately after the recording of Barnabas selling his, bringing the money, uh, which is a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds. And brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, right now, you think, okay, we got a problem. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself while part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? Once again, private property. He said, and after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? You still had the choice of what to do. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Of course, you know, the rest of the story is he drops dead. His wife comes in the door and she drops dead and they haul them both out. And I'm not trying to tell you how to handle your property dealers or not, but just be careful. The issue is not that they kept back part of the proceeds. The issue is that they lied about it. And Peter said they lied to the Holy Spirit. What he's telling them is you could have brought any amount you wanted. You know, there was no compulsion to bring X amount of percentage. But they said, we're going to bring it all. And they brought part. And then it says that they were selling and distributing their properties. And listen to these three words, four words, as any had need. It wasn't a wholesale, get rid of everything you own. Nobody should own anything mentality. It was what I have can help other people. And I choose to do this. I'm not doing it under compulsion or I keep wondering, Barney Fife says compulsion. So if I say compulsion, I've been listening to Barney. It says they had all things in common and they were in one accord. I said last week that was not a Honda or a Civic. They were in one accord. And the word there in the, in the original text simply means harmony leading to action. Harmony leading to action. So in, in our climate, we've got tornadoes and diseases and all kinds of stuff going on. In our climate, it's even more important that we be I don't necessarily mean geographically, but that we be together in Him. And that we actively want to be together in Him. Because that's community, as Sean testified. Community is what gets us through these times. So I want to talk for just a minute about active oneness. They were, they were showing active oneness because it says they went to the temple together daily. Now we, you know, we try to get people here on Sunday mornings. They got them every day. I'm not suggesting we should have church every day. I know some places do. I, there's a youth church near our, my house when I was growing up. And uh, I'd drive by there. It wasn't a day I drove by there. There wasn't somebody doing something there. Every day, every night, they were having some kind of church service. I thought, well, I'm sure glad I don't go to that church. It also says that, that there was the breaking of bread in their homes. 
I want to call, I want to say that I think there's a distinction made here between communion and the breaking of bread in their homes, although it could include that. But it says they, they went house to house and it says they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I want to share with you that one element of community that we need to lay hold of is the breaking of bread from house to house. There's something covenantal and biblical about people sitting around the table partaking of a meal together. It's not the food that makes the difference. It's the fellowship that makes the difference. And, and, you know, the food, we sometimes eat too much of it. We might need to back off of that. But there is an issue that we see in the New Testament, the breaking of bread from house to house. Some versions there will say with simplicity. Some versions will say with sincerity. But what it does is it, it, it creates a togetherness in God's people. And then when we got to Acts 4, we read it's that they were of one heart and one soul. They, they, these people had were of one heart and of one soul. How many of you believe that's our goal, is to be of one heart? I want to also point this out. Both Acts 2, 44 through 46, the first passage we read, and Acts 2, 4, I'm sorry, 32 through 37, both of these events are preceded, everybody say preceded, by a move of the Holy Spirit. Take note. Day of Pentecost... Holy Spirit falls. Peter preaches a sermon. Community develops. Acts chapter 4. Holy Spirit falls. Community develops. We get a clue. We get an impression. That when God's Holy Spirit moves among his people. There develops community which is evidenced in together. Are we, go, are we good with that? Amen. One heart. He said they were one heart. That really just means to be in sync, not the boy group. Just It means to be in sync. Uh, it means synchronization of thoughts and intents as well as actions. You know when you walk with someone a while in the Lord, you begin to have synchronized thoughts. You know, I walked in here today planning to read Psalm 91. Miss Dixie said, I'd like to read Psalm 91. That's synchronized thoughts. I didn't call her and she didn't call me. And, and when they had one heart, they were together. Listen to this verse, or you can read it actually. The hand of God was also on Judah to give them one heart. To do what the king and the prince is commanded by the word of the Lord. And when he gives us one heart, there's an intent there. What is the intent? That we would together walk out God's purpose and plan in obedience. We'd be able to. In a similar way, he said one heart and one soul. The one soul literally means breathing the same breath. Now, what do you think of when you see the breath of God in the Bible? What do you think of? Holy Spirit. No question. I'm not going to turn, but you can turn to 
Ezekiel 37, where Ezekiel sees the valley of dry bones. And he says, prophesy to the bones. And they began to assemble. They began to have muscles and sinews and skin develop. And then he says, now, now prophesy for the breath of God to come and put life in those, in those bodies. That's the Holy Spirit. And you and I, as the community of God, if we're going to find that together, we're going to find it in the breath of God by breathing the same breath. Now, you might need a tic-tac, I might need a tic-tac, but we can still breathe the same breath. Paul writes, that I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit. Did you see that one spirit? With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Interesting that the word there, striving together, is an athletic term by Paul in the original text. And it really means competing side by side. That you and I, side by side, together in the Lord, you and I would compete to advance the kingdom of God into the earth where we live, where we play, that we would do it together. And truth is, when we do it that way, We always win. We always win. So if you're going to talk about one heart and one soul, you have to mention the one heart of covenant. For we are a covenantal people. When we enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we do so entering into covenant with him. And he said, if you've entered into covenant with me, you you get my kids too. You're in covenant with my kids. And sometimes that's a, an ethereal term, and sometimes it's a practical term. Uh, Jehu, who's the son of Jehoshaphat, is having a conversation with Je- Jehonadab, and it's, he says, and he greeted him and said to him, Is your heart true to my heart as mine is to yours? And Jehonadab answered, It is. And Jehu said, Well, then if it is, Give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu took him up with him into the chariot, which is a great sign of covenant. Is your heart with my heart? Yes, it is. And he takes him by the hand and brings him into his world. Covenant. This, I can't expound on this, but quoting from the Covenant in the Kingdom book, covenant is a bond that the Lord has established to join his people to himself and to join his people to one another. Covenant is a bond that the Lord has established to join his people to himself. That's first. That never comes second. That always comes first. And to join his people to one another. There is an intention that the covenant that we have with God is extended to one another. John writes, how can you hate you say you hate your brother? How can you say you love God and hate your brother? For God you have not seen, but your brother you have seen. God's that's God's way of saying, if you got if you want me, you gotta have my kids. When I was growing up, my daddy was funny about stuff, and we never went anywhere. When we didn't practice this. We never went anywhere that daddy couldn't take us. 
they, they were going to go somewhere and they said no children allowed, we didn't go. Actually, we, we didn't practice that. We kicked our kids to the curb. But, but uh, it's not a bad idea. And God says, if you want me, you got to take my kids. You can't take me and say, well, I don't want your kids. It don't work that way. Because there's a community that he's building and developing. Guys came to David. He said, went out, David went out to meet them and said, if you have come to me in friendship to help me, my heart will be joined to you. But if to betray me to my adversaries, although there's no wrong in my hands, then the God of our fathers will rebuke you. David was looking for people with whom his heart could be united together. He was looking for people who did not have an agenda. He was looking for people who did not have a purpose outside of God's purpose. He was looking for a people who could say to him, my heart is joined with your heart and we breathe the same breath. We're all looking for that. We're not, I don't think any of you are looking for somebody to get crossways with. You don't have to look very far, by the way. Just go try to buy some toilet paper. I mean, you <laughs> tackle, get tackled. And I want to say this. Sometimes God places things within our brother and our sister that we need. And the only avenue of receiving that, whatever that is, is through the deposit God has made in them. There are some things God is not going to give you until you engage in covenant and community. I'm not saying everything, but there are some things that you're only going to get through a relationship with your brother or your sister. That God has joined you together in covenant. And you're looking around, you're trying to find it, and God says, it's in him. It's in her. And you say, I don't like him. And God said, that's okay. He don't like you either. (laughs) But there's a deposit in that person that God has made. And the only place you're going to find it is in that relationship together. And then we had this great little statement. And I've called it, no one lacked. It said, there were no needy people among them. Isn't that great? There were no needy people among them. I shared with our home group on Wednesday night that I was in a meeting a number of years ago. Bob Mumford had got word to me to come hear him speak downtown at the, not the, not the foundry, but whatever's across the street. Um, Jim Gall, James Gall, whatever, got up and he said this at that meeting. He said, we are a blessed nation. America is a blessed nation. And there are two main reasons why we are still a blessed nation. First reason was that we are still friendly and allies with Israel. We have not turned our back on Israel. The scripture is very clear that if we bless Israel, God will bless us. If we curse Israel. So he said, we're still a nation who is an ally and a friend of Israel. And he said a second thing which was interesting. He said, I believe a second reason that we're blessed is because as a, as a nation, and generally speaking, as a nation, we take care of the poor. 
I mean, if you compare what happens in other countries, and, the, you know, just go down to the rescue mission and serve one night. I mean, I'm not saying this in, this in the sense that they shouldn't have it, but the people coming through the lines are dressed very well. And they all got iPhones up to their ears as they come through the line. These are people, a lot of them, not all of them are homeless, but a lot of them are. And so as a nation, I'm not saying everybody should have an iPhone, but, I mean, it's my opinion. Probably be yours. Well, my point is, we do take care of our poor, larger than other countries. And in the Scripture, there was no needy among them. Why? Well, because they had all things in common. And it did, again, I'm going back. It doesn't mean that everybody was forced to sell everything. But it meant that if you saw somebody needed something and you had it, you went and took it to them. And if you could sell something and go bless that person, you did that. Nobody was making you. The, there was no government dictating that you had to do this. I do believe in redistribution of wealth. I just believe in it being voluntary. You don't need a government telling us what to do. I hope somebody's not watching this and coming to get me. <laughs> Paul writes it this way. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But that as a matter of equality, your abundance at the present time should supply their need. So that their abundance may supply your need. That there may be equality. How many realize sometimes there are people who need and you got what they need? And you go bless them. And then for some reason at some point... That gets reversed. You have a need and they come bless you. That's what the Bible says. He says, I'm not, I'm not saying that anybody should be overly burdened. But what I'm saying is that we as a together community take care of one another, which is why people showed up at the Pody house and people showed up at Laverty house and all through this community when tornadoes come, that people showed up and they put out the order, you know, that said, no more volunteers. We got more than we can, we can handle. Stop bringing supplies. We got more supplies and we know what to do with. Quit bringing stuff. Quit bringing people. What other community in the world could say that? I've heard Brother... Brother, brother, pastor, doctor, author, Chief Hambrick has told me many times that he gets calls from all over the country and people telling him, your community is in a bubble. Your community lives in a bubble. And they don't mean that in a negative way. They mean that in a good way. Let me see if I can explain this without being getting too confused. I tried to do it Wednesday night at the home group. I'm not sure I did a good job. Theology, good theology affects a community. Good theology affects economy. If you have good theology in your, in your community, in your culture, you'll have a good economy. If you have bad theology, you'll have bad economy. Just go to a third world country. A friend of mine was staying in uh, War, uh, El Paso one time. He was staying in a hotel that was kind of high up, on, you know, several floors up. And he said, I was sitting down on the balcony looking at El Paso, Texas, and all that was going on in, in this city and in this state and in this country, he said, I looked right across the Rio Grande. 
into Juarez, Mexico, night and day. And he said the difference was theology. And I want to tell you that because we have a large number of people in our community, and I don't just mean within the city limits of Mount Julia, I mean within our community. Because we have such a large number of kingdom people in this community, you saw the response to the tornadoes that you did and still see today. I mean, okay, I'm not even going to say what I thought. Anyway, we have some good folks leading in the community. I just mentioned one of them, the chief of police and the chief, the fire chief. I mean, you're right on the mayor, the commissioners. These are kingdom people, mostly. I can't testify for every one of them. And what these people were doing, they were exemplifying God's, I'm not going to turn, but his instruction in Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 11, for you note takers. God gave instruction there. One of the instructions was that there would be no poor among you. Now you say, well, how do you define poor? Well, if they have something and you got it and they need it, then they're poor. And when you give it to them, they're no longer poor. Oh, you got quiet. He said, no poor among you. But he also said, the Lord bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. And if we as a together community, and we do, this is the biggest preaching to the choir message I've ever done. So just hang in there. It's just for the people on Facebook. We're hoping they're listening. But as a together community, if we address ourselves to being together the way the Bible describes being together, we will have all things in common. We will be together. No one will lack. And the Lord will bless our work and whatever we undertake. And he does. And he is. He says in that same passage, you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously Lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. That's Deuteronomy 15. Sufficiently taking care of one another. I read a statistic the other day. I'm not, you guys are, are, you guys are a very generous congregation as far as giving. I mean, for a congregation our size, the amount that we receive weekly, not recently, it's not been so great, but that's because we got things going on. But the amount of money that you give is very generous. So I don't think this I'm pounding on you. But I heard recently a statistic that, and this, there's a long, I'm just going to give you the, the thumbnail version. If every Christian in America today began to give 10% of their income, 10%, just Every Christian in America gave 10% of their income. The giving would go from a 100 billion to 400 billion. I've also heard people say that if that, if every Christian in America would just begin to give 5% of their income, there would be no reason ever for the, ever to be another poor person on the earth in America. Again, I'm not beating you up. I'm just telling you what statistics say. You're very generous. And, but it, it, and I'm, we're not just talking about money, but although that's what we 
relate to the most. I'm going to finish with some observations. The first one is, there is gold in the community. Or you could say, there's gold in them thar hills. There's gold in the community. And where do you find the gold? It's not in fillings. It's in people. When you see people in the community, you're finding gold. A second observation is that a one heart and one soul equals one mission. You see, if we're one heart, if, if we're one heart and one soul, we're not all just going our own way trying to do our own thing. Now, each one of us have a unique calling and a gift that we operate, but even that unique calling and gift funnels back to one mission. The primary mission that we have is to, to uh, see that Jesus' prayer is fulfilled in the earth when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. And the last command on earth by Jesus Christ was to go and make disciples. That command is still in place. Until he, re- until he says another one, we still got that one. I got a feeling we're not getting another one. So we go and make disciples, and we have one heart, we have one soul, and we have one mission. A third observation, I've alluded to it already, is that we must be proactive in our togetherness. How many of you realize the devil does not like this? The devil does not like God's people being together either in geography or in unity in spirit. And he's going to, he's going to fight to keep it. It says they were together in the temple. And it says they were sharing their meals. Together in the temple, sharing of the meals. There was, there was a proactiveness of getting together. Another observation, again, is that they did not cling to their possessions, but they considered them common. They didn't cling. You and I, we hold on to what we got. We see the person across the way. You're not getting mine, buddy. I got mine. You get yours. And there's a certain amount of that that we need because, oh, Lord, I'm going to get down a rabbit trail. Sometimes people need to learn how to be productive. They don't need to be handed everything. Oh, you think I'm done, do you? I got news for you. But I'm almost done, so don't get nervous. There is a time that people need to be taught to be productive. But that doesn't mean you and I need to cling to our possessions. Because because guess who they belong to? They belong to the Lord. If you have a nice home or a nice car, you have a nice whatever... Uh, that belongs to the Lord, and you're simply stewarding that for him. Don't put him in a position that he, he might have to take it away from you. The point of that is that their sharing, the sharing with one another was given, and it was never taken. The sharing is given and never taken. It's, it's, it's voluntary, and it's not someone stealing It's not someone taking from you, but it's out of your heart and your togetherness in the community that you give. Another observation I have is, is it possible 
The power exercised by the apostles in verse 33, and this is Acts chapter 4, was due to the united hearts in verse 32. Is it possible that, says the apostles exercised great power, is it possible that that was because in verse 32 they were of one heart and one soul and united in heart and it created an atmosphere of power? Is it possible that we have stymied sometimes God's move because we weren't necessarily together? You say, well, God can do anything he wants to. Yeah, but he's not going to fight you. He's not going to violate your will. I suppose, oh, this, by the way, is from a Kernels of Truth, October 2019. I suppose this is the case. Alignment always empowers. And when we become aligned with the Lord and one another, we create a spiritual climate where his power can flow smoothly to and through us. Community creates alignment. It's supposed to. And if we are aligned with God and we're aligned with one another, I believe it creates an atmosphere where the power of God is free to do what God wants to do. And we get out of the way. And so to conclude, I'll just read this statement. As human beings, we were created for communion with God and for communion with one another in that order. So unless we come into communion with God and into communion with each other, we've missed the very purpose, the very reason for our existence. How many of you believe God's calling his people together? Say yes. As Deb said, it's during these times of difficulty that God really draws us together. The times, that, the challenges that we face. And you could say times of being unsure, but I'm not unsure. My wife said that day, she said, you know, you and I probably need to be a little more afraid. We're not afraid of anything. You know, I don't, I'm not. My aunt used to sing a song, and it was sung at her funeral. It said, if I go where I stay, I'm a winner either way. And she went. But as we understand this thing of together in community, we begin to release, I believe, the power of God in our midst and in our lives. And more than anything else, all of that, All of that. Remember God's economy. All of that funnels back to go and make disciples of all nations. To rescuing the perishing from darkness. To making the disciples. And to seeing God's name glorified in his church. As his church grows. And the scripture says, the Lord added day by day those who were being saved. Who added? The Lord added, don't feel guilty. Don't feel pressured that it's your job. It's his job. It's your job to extend the message of the kingdom. It's God's job to add to the church. We don't need fancy programs. We don't need Wall Street marketing. We just need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be obedient in extending the message, the good news of the kingdom of God, and then God will do what God does. Stand with me.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for community today. We thank you that we are a part of a community. We're part of a smaller community and we're part of a larger community. We also thank you that we're part of a worldwide community called the body of Christ. And we today we stand together with them, whether they're standing in a church building or their living room or a restaurant or wherever they may be. We stand with them today as brothers and sisters in Christ, resting in you, our God. We thank you for this picture that we find in the book of Acts of the early church and how they demonstrated community for us. We thank you that there's the lesson of, of not holding on to things, knowing that all things belong to you, and that we should be ready, willing, and able to share with those who have need. Lord, I pray that you would cause each one of our hearts to become closer. I pray that there would be uh, a, a, a uniting in sync and synchronization. I pray, I pray that we would breathe the same breath of your Holy Spirit, and then that would bring us to the same mission, one mission. Let everyone under the sound of my voice um, be enveloped by your Holy Spirit and that you would help us to be those who extend your kingdom into the earth. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace, and your revelation, and your strength, and your power that you you leave with us to complete our mission. I pray for health. I pray for, for healing. I pray for provision for all those during this time that are living an unsettled life. I pray for the peace of God that we can't even explain to flood every person, every household, every every mind, that we would all rest in you. We don't, not that we'd be stupid, but that we would rest in you, Lord God. At the end of the day, your name will be glorified. I thank you in the name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go out there and act like somebody. <laughs>